many of you here this morning. Thanks for being uh, with us here. If you're listening online, uh, we know that sometimes you got to sleep in and check it out later. So we, uh, we know you're there, and we're glad that you are uh, uh, with us as well. If, you're, uh, if it's your first time here or you, know, you haven't been here in a little bit, you're, you kind of find us in a, in, a, in a series. Maybe it's the middle of the series. I, I'm not quite sure how long this one's going to go. But we uh, started last week talking about this, uh, this topic of the tongue, something that every one of us uses uh, every day, some of you more than others, you know who you are. Uh, there's also some, this, this thing that gets us into to, uh, trouble sometimes, and we know who we are uh, as well. Uh, just the power that the tongue has. We talked about that last week, you know, that the, the power of life and death are in the words we speak. And maybe it's not literal for you as far as, you know, people aren't dying all around you because of the words you're saying, um, but it's, it, it's in the relationships and things that have been spoken, marriages have died, dreams have died, relationships with children have died as a result of words that have been spoken. We realized last week that we can't always take back what we said. You know, we can say stuff and then, you know, you, you're like, oh man. I never should have told my wife that, you know, and you're like, how do I get, how do I make up for it? And it doesn't matter how many amounts of apologies or other things you say, those words linger, the the truth and the power of those words remains. And so that's why last week we simply challenged us as a a group to watch our mouths, just to to simply take a a week to listen to what's coming out. What what am I saying? When I I talk, is it life-giving or is it is it um, speaking, uh, speaking death over things? And so we, just simp- we simply asked you to just listen for it. I-, I was listening for it this week. We said, don't try and change it because it's not a simple fix. For, for many of us, we like, especially men, you know, it's like, man, I just want it to be fixed easily. You know, if there's, if there's a way we can do that. I was uh, researching some red-green uh, episodes this week because, uh, uh, it, don't worry, it's part of my job to do that kind of stuff. And so uh, you'll understand later. But um, uh, as I was looking at that, I found out, you know, red-green has the perfect tool for everything. You, anybody know what that is? Yeah, duct tape, right? You can use duct tape for all kinds of things. I learned some things this week. You can use duct tape to fix your shoes, I don't know if you realize that. Yes, right there. You know, you got old shoes, brand new. You know, you can use duct tape to fix your car. Uh, this is that redneck air intake, I believe. Uh, you can use duct tape to fix a bridge if you have enough duct tape. Uh, and uh, But as far as fixing your mouth and the words you say, you know, it doesn't always work that way. Uh, I heard this quote, if it can't be fixed with duct tape, then you're just not using enough duct tape. So for some of us, you know, I think if, if to fix my mouth, if there was just a simple fix, you know, if we just wash it out with soap and I'd be cured, or if I could just duct tape it over and never speak again, I'd have to find a new job. But maybe, you know, maybe I'd be fixed, but I realize it's not that simple. Taming the tongue takes a lot of work, but it's worth it. Uh, I heard this the other day, that the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your words. And we so often see that the quality of your marriage determined by how you speak to one another, the quality of your relationships, how you talk with one another, the quality of your job, how you think and speak about it. Oh, I got to go to work again versus, hey, I'm thankful I have a job. Changes everything, doesn't it? We see it in relationships all the time. But this morning, I want to talk about a, a second thought. And because we're in a series, we're not covering everything this morning, but I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to take a moment this morning as we sit here and slow down and uh, to think about the voices in your head. And some of you are like, how does he know? 
We all have them, don't we? Those voices, they've been going all morning. Uh, the voices that we have in our head. Um, and for some of you, like, I, I don't know what he's talking about. That's the voice right there. The one that's just going and saying, you know, how you felt during worship. What was going through your mind during then? Or as you walked into this place, I'm like, it's my first time. I don't know anybody. That's a little bit, it's a little bit weird. Boy, they do some interesting stuff around this place. Boy, they're crazy around here. Well, all that. And if you, if you don't know, maybe, you know, maybe... Um, you found yourself in a place where you've had an argument with someone and they're not there. It's just all going on in your own head. Uh, I was in Haiti a couple of weeks ago watching, uh, I was watching a movie with the kids there. It was um, this movie called Madagascar and they have this character named King Julian. Uh, and in, in Madagascar too, like that's my favorite character. But he's like, he's having this conversation with himself in front of everybody else about, you know, feeding a sacrifice and then the sacrifice. Oh, no, I don't want any more. Oh, yes, you do. And if you've seen the movie, that, that's great. If you haven't, you're like, that means nothing to me. Watch the movie. Um, but it's like having that argument in your head. Sometimes you're like, man, somebody ticks you off, and you're like, I'm going to tell them. And the next time I see them, this is what I'm going to say. And then if they say this, then I'm going to tell them that. But if they, if they go the other way, I'm ready for that too. I'm going to tell them this. And if they bring up my brother, I'm bringing up their mother. And I don't care. I know it's wrong, but they went too far. And you have the whole thing. And then you talk to them, and, and, and all of a sudden it's like it doesn't go any way like you thought. But you had that whole conversation in your head? Some of you, yeah, some are not nodding. But maybe, maybe you're like this. You've talked yourself into doing something you really shouldn't have, like this guy. You know, or maybe you've talked yourself out of something like this woman. Each and every one of us has things where that, that, that voice is going on the inside. There's, there's those voices inside of our heads. There's a guy named Brady Boyd. He wrote a, um, a plan for, um, well, he wrote a book, but they turned it into a, a, a devotional, four-day devotional. I mean, four days, not, not that long, but it's on, our, it's on the YouVersion Bible app. So if you, if you use the YouVersion Bible app, which I would encourage you to do, it just gives you a chance to, for four days, take a look at, at this uh, idea of speaking life. And I've gone over this one a number of times, but there was a quote that Brady um, made in, that, in, this, uh, in his book and in this devotional, and it just says this. It says this, every time I open my mouth to speak to you, Every time I open my mouth to speak to you, I'm revealing how I've been doing in three other conversations. What I'm saying to myself, how well I'm refuting the lies of the enemy, and how closely, if at all, I'm walking with God. This morning, it's what I want to talk about. Every time that I open my mouth to speak to you, I'm revealing how I've been doing in three other conversations. What I'm saying to myself, how well I'm refuting the lies of the enemy, and how closely, if at all, I'm walking with God. See, there's three types of conversations going on in our heads at any given time. Conversation with God, we'll talk about that. The conversation with ourselves, you do talk to yourself. And then there's the conversations with the enemy, and it's, it's everything but those two that uh, falls under that thing. And so I uh, find, as I was reading, I was reminded of a story in, in the, in the um, book of Matthew. And if you're familiar with the, with the Bible, or if, if you have yours with you, grab it, open it up. Go to Matthew chapter 16. That's where we're going to go in a second. Matthew was a follower of Jesus, so he was there. When he saw Jesus do stuff, uh, he was an eyewitness. When Jesus said things, he heard it. And so Matthew would write all this stuff down so that people who weren't there would have a chance to, to, to feel like they were there, to know, hey, this is what Jesus said. And this story that we're going to talk about today was when Jesus wasn't around the crowds. He was, he was, they, they had been with the crowds, and then he had gone off on his own with his 12 disciples, and he's saying, hey, fellas, can we have some heart-to-hearts? Can, can we talk a little bit, just, just us? And I love that Matthew writes it down because anybody outside of the 12, none of them would ever have known what this was. And 
And so Matthew is, uh, he says, you know, we went to this place called Caesarea Philippi, real place. And as we're on the way there, Jesus starts asking questions. He's like, hey, fellas, um, who, uh, who does everybody uh, say that I am? Like, who do they think I am? Because, you know, we've been going around teaching, doing miracles. You guys have heard. Who do people say that I am? And, and you know, maybe it was, maybe it was uh, Matthew raised his hand. I'm like, hey, they think you're Elijah. And, and John's like, no, no, I heard they think that you're like Jeremiah. And, it's, and a couple of the others, you know, Bartholomew is like, no, no, they think you're a different prophet. And so then Jesus asks this question um, to them in Matthew chapter 16, verse 15. And Gary taught on this a couple weeks ago, so it may be familiar, but we're going to look at a different angle of it this morning. It says this, then Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I am? That's a powerful question every single one of us needs to answer. Who do you say that Jesus is? And then Simon Peter, you know, if you know, if you know your Bible stories, Simon Peter's famous for putting his foot in his mouth, saying the wrong thing at, at, at the wrong time, or doing the, doing the thing that, you know, cutting off people's ears when there's not, when, you know, when everyone else is like, hey, you know, just chill. Peter's always the guy getting things wrong. Well, Peter answers and says to Jesus, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, you're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. And Jesus says to Peter in that moment, he's like, hey, Peter, you got it right. And do you know how you got it right? You just heard God talk to you. He's like, I did? He's like, yeah, look, no human explained this to you. You just, you had a God thought that realized that that, that little voice in your head that you just heard that told that told you that I'm the Messiah, that's God speaking to you. He's like, hey, fellas, high fives. I got it right, right? He's like, hey, James, John. And, and, and uh, sometimes we think, oh, you know, it was this pious group of people walking around. They were fishermen, bunch of guys hanging out together like on a fishing trip. If you've been, you know what that's like. And, and it's like this, you know, this ribbon and everything. Yeah, and he's like, hey, high fives, fellas. A couple of verses later, Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. They're in another area, and it says from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples, that group of Jesus followers, that group of 12 people, plainly, that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. He said he's going to suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders and the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. He said he's going to be killed, but on the third day he'd be raised from the dead. And then Peter, again, he takes him aside and he begins to reprimand him for such things. Like, Jesus, come here, we've got to talk. What are you talking about? You're going to die. What do you, what do you mean? We're, we're not going to Jerusalem. You're, you're the Messiah, remember? I just told you. You know, you're the Savior. You're the Son of the living God. What's all this talk about going to die and, and, um, and these people are going to kill you? He's like, that's never going to happen to you. Jesus turns to him and says to Peter, get away from me, Satan. Other versions, get behind me, Satan. Wouldn't that be awkward? You know, Jesus, it's awkward even if I say, hey, you know, get behind me, Satan. You're like, whoa, well, come on now. I just, like, I just, just came to see you. Check out this church, and you, you get behind me, Satan. Like, it's, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? Especially if I'm looking at you. Yeah, so, so picture, but picture Jesus with, his, with the fellas. There's Peter. He's like, whoa, you know, uh, get behind me, Satan. What does he say? He says, you're a dangerous trap to me. He's explaining to Peter, hey, Peter, it, it, that thought, that you just heard, that didn't originate from the Lord. That originated from Satan. He says, you're seeing things from a human point of view. Yeah, Peter, that's your perspective, but it's, it's not right. And then all of a sudden you can just hear like James, hey, Peter, high five, eh? You know, it's like, uh, no, no, he's like, man, man, they're, they're, I got it wrong again. But in these two conversations, it's interesting that Jesus reveals to Peter and to us that there's voices going on in our head. Three different conversations. Yeah, Peter, you just had a God thought. 
Peter, Satan's the originator of that thought. And, you know, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view. And so in those conversations, those voices that we have in our head, those conversations affect the way we speak to everyone else. Conversations, I want to look at those three this morning quickly. Conversation with God. If you wonder what that is, maybe you've, you've heard it before described as it's prayer. And maybe when you hear the word prayer, having this conversation with God, you, you know, maybe if you've grown up in church, you assume that prayer has like a position or a place. You know, when you pray, it's at church or around the dinner table, right? And if you pray, there's a position you have to have, you know, hands folded, eyes closed, head bowed. Try to see Jesus. Where is Jesus? You know, whatever it may have been, you know, confess your sin or whatever. There's this moment. There's this place but you realize that what they're talking about, this conversation with God, is something to be ongoing? The New Testament writer said, pray always. Never stop praying. You know, it's if we think about it like communication, just talking with God. You know, when we don't have a whole lot of landlines anymore. I just was talking to my family about a guy, that one of their friends. He's young. He doesn't have a cell phone. He's never had one. He actually makes real phone calls. He picks up his landline, and he calls you to find out. No texting. Like, he's talking to you, and I'm like, Guy is so weird, right? Like, how bizarre. But for, for, for many of us, we think that way when it comes to prayer. There's a certain spot or certain time, and it's good to have those certain times of like, hey, God, I'm checking in with you. But he's saying, let it be more like a cell phone where I can text you anytime. I can drop a thought in your heart anytime, and you can communicate with me at any time. You're driving, let's talk. You, you know, wherever you are, let's talk. Taking time every day to be in conversation with God, but realizing that that conversation never has to stop but we got to be intentional about it. And it's not just talking, hey, God, this is what I need for the day. See ya. That he wants to drop something in your heart of what he wants for you as well. Um, a couple of uh, weeks ago, I had to go to a difficult visit. It's, usually I love visiting with people. This one wasn't going to be good. I knew it. I was heading somewhere. This person's a little bit uh, difficult to speak to on a good day, and it wasn't a good day. So I'm going there. I'm like, oh, man. You know, I thought, well, I'm having the conversation in my head. If he says this, I'm going to say that. You know, and, and then if, if he goes there, well, I don't want to, but I will. And then all of a sudden I began uh, through, uh, through reading some of this stuff to begin to pray and just say, God, I'm not planning it at all. I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to talk to you. And I started thinking, God, what do you want to say to him through me? Because I know what I want to tell him, but that's probably not the most important thing in this conversation. What do you, what do you desire to tell him? And uh, what, as I went there, it was crazy. As I walked in there, that, that the conversation began and it had just the right words for just the right moment. That conversation went nothing like I'd ever had in a conversation with this person before. And it was incredible. But I realized something. Did you know that God speaks to people through other people? He does. I'm hoping it's happening right now. <laughs> but but have, you ever heard, have you ever had that where you're just like, all of a sudden you're like, man, that person said just the right thing at just the right moment. And for some of you, I want you to realize that if God can do it through me and other people, he can do that through you. That he wants to talk to other people through you, through your life, through your words. And some of you are like, ah, oh, no, he couldn't talk through me. I can tell you, if you doubt that, Jesus used a rooster to convict Peter. He used a donkey to talk to another guy. He can talk through you. I'd encourage you just to be aware of that. God, what would you want to say through me? How powerful would that be? You know, that we be intentionally listening to that voice of the Lord in our, in our hearts and in, in as a result to life and different matters, it matters. Conversations with God. Second conversation going on in your head is a conversation with you. You're talking to yourself all the time, whether you know it or not. Nelson Mandela wrote a book called Conversations with Myself, and 
It's a glimpse into his thoughts as he was, you know, uh, fleeing from uh, uh, the, uh, the anti, uh, during the anti-apartheid time in South Africa. He, uh, he, he d- documented what it was like when, uh, you know, his friends were there for him and when they weren't there for him. His 27 years in prison on Robben Island, he wrote about the thoughts and the dreams that he had in this book. And whether we write them down or not, we all have conversations with ourselves. You know, what, I don't know if you realize that, but you have between 2,000 and 3,500 thoughts Um, going through your mind every hour. 2,000 to 3,500 every single hour of these thoughts going through your mind. Your mind talks faster than you do. My mind talks faster than I do. I know, miraculous. But psychologists call this self-talk. And though this isn't a psychology lesson, I believe it affects us uh, as as followers of Christ as well. Because much of the self-talk, that script that's going on in your mind, it's, it's everything gets filtered through what's actually going on in that, in that script. And for some of it, it's reasonable stuff. Like, for instance, in your mind, some of you are, like, planning right now, you know, okay, after this, i got to go get groceries. You know, I've had that. You know, or maybe you're like, oh, I really should study for that exam. Uh, you know, that's, it's, it's good. It's helpful. I've had that before. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. Beth wants me to pick up groceries on the way home. And then I start planning. Okay, yeah, first got to get gas. And if I'm shopping, I need Tim Hortons. I'm not going to shop with, you know, on just the, this. And then as I'm going, I'm like, through Tim Hortons, and I'm driving home, and like, hey, Beth, oh, you know what? I was re- re- right. What was I supposed to get for you again? And that conversation's going on um, in your mind. But what we often don't realize is that our own personal conversation with us, most of it is actually negative. We actually skew to the negative side of things more than to the, more than to the positive, more than to the life-giving. It's like you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, man. I'm going to fail that exam for sure. It's just going through your mind, right? Or you wake up like, oh, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't have enough sleep last night. And all of a sudden you go into like Eeyore mode. You're like, oh, today's going to be a bad day. Oh, I just know it. Nothing ever goes right for me. It goes right for everybody else, but not for me. And, and you start walking through. You're like, you know, yeah, that looks positive. That looks like it could go well, but something's going to screw it up. I know. You know, yeah, that, wow, those people, they... They, uh, they've been really friendly to me. They must want something. You know, there's like, there's this, this always this side. And, and it leads to these things of like anxiety or depression or stress and this continuous negative thinking. And I think we're all prone to it. I know we are. I know I am. I know there's moments where I'm like, I'm stressed out about things. And uh, I find myself thinking towards the negative side of things just naturally. And it, it's, it's crazy. I had a friend of mine this week, we're chatting on the phone and we're looking into doing some, uh, doing some work. And he, and, and I'm telling, I'm saying, I don't know if it's going to go. I don't know if the paperwork's going to go through. And he's a, he's like, are you listening to yourself? He's a hell's angel. I'm like, I should be preaching to him, not the other way around. But he's like, hey, you know what? Are you listening to yourself? Have you like, do you, do you realize what, how old you are? At your age, you shouldn't be, you know, uh, worrying about things that you have no control over. I'm like, oh, amen, you know. And, uh, but as I'm, as I'm thinking about that, I realize it's in those moments where I'm stressed. Those are the moments that I say things that I really wish I could take back. This week I had a funeral to do. And uh, I'm a little bit of a procrastinator sometimes, and so the um, the, the morning of the of the funeral, I I've got you know to print some stuff up and get get ready to go there, and then uh, all of a sudden Beth says to me, "Hey, you want a haircut?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I want a haircut, but can I fit it in?" And I'm like, "She's like, I'll just give you a quick haircut." So this is what a quick haircut looks like. Uh, and so as I I said, "Oh, I don't know," you know, and she's like, "No, it's now or never." I'm like, "Oh man, never. Okay, I'll have one now." And so I get there, I'm watching the clock, and I'm realizing, "Oh man, I got three minutes to shower, print off the message for the funeral." and then get out the door, oh, and, and obviously get dressed, right? And then get out the door. And so I'm like, I look, and I, I rush downstairs, I print, I shower, I run up, I grab my suit out of the closet, I put it on, and there's this huge black grease stain on the sleeve. 
And I'm like, oh, and I drop my favorite Dutch word, you know, for those, for those of you who know. And it's like, all of a sudden, the thought, the thing in my head was like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be late. You know, I'm going to get a speeding ticket if I speed. I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to mess up this whole funeral. And it's like that, all that overwhelming uh, conversation in my head leads me to something that, that all of a sudden the Holy Spirit conscience kicks in through my children again as they from the other room like, hey, guess what? I just heard daddy say a bad word. And like, hey, what was that word? And they're like, oh, and they've learned they use other words combined like push and it to be able to say it without getting in trouble. And I'm like, I just like want to like wash all their mouths out with soap and discipline them. And, and I'm like, I can't because I just taught this to them and I don't want to be teaching them this kind of stuff. And, and I realize that it's important for me to be aware of what's going on in this conversation with myself because it affects my conversations with others. And so as I realized, you know, that conversation's going all the time. What am I doing about it? And the last one is this. There's a conversation going on in your mind with the enemy all the time. See, for, for most of us, we don't actually think about the enemy at all in our lives. Uh, many Jesus followers don't even realize he exists. And I think it's the greatest lie of the enemy is that simple thing to make, make, make people think, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't actually even, uh, he doesn't even exist. You know, you go through a tough time and what's that thought that starts going in your mind? Oh, God must be really angry at you. Or, you know, God must not really love you. He's like, here, I'll throw some, I'll throw some junk in your life and then I'll just make you look at God as if he's the one doing it. And it's like this thought that I see so often happening. You know, maybe you've had this. You've done way too many bad things for God to forgive you. Maybe it becomes personal where it's like you feel like God's saying, you've done way too many bad things for me to forgive you. I heard it said just in the past couple of weeks. Maybe for you this morning, you're sitting here and the, the voice is going, who are you fooling? Who are you fooling sitting in church on Sunday morning? I know what you did last night. The thought running through. No one wants to raise their hand to that. But you've had maybe the voices on the, in, in, in the inside saying, you know, hey, you're a sinner. You know, you are, you're an addict or you're not worthy. But you know what? That's the voices that, that come to our mind. And can you picture Jesus in that moment with Peter? Where Peter says to him, Jesus, you don't have to die. I mean, how, like, how amazing of a thought is that for Jesus? Just to take that moment and say, yeah, I really don't want to go through a cross I know what that looks like. I, I don't want to do that. But what does he say? Hey, get behind me, Satan, because he points out and he says, listen, that's not, that's not the truth. That's not what I need in my life right now. I came to save the world. That's how it's going to happen. I'm doing it. But for many believers, many followers of Jesus, you just don't even, you don't have that thought of saying, listen, I got to tell Satan sometimes where to go. I got to tell those thoughts from the enemy. Hey, they don't, they don't belong in my mind. Do you realize that you don't have to think every thought that comes into your mind? Do you realize you do not have to think every thought that comes into your mind? You don't need to dwell on those thoughts. Paul wrote about this, um, this experience um, to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 6, he says to them, he says, Hey, therefore, put on the armor of God. Put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm because there's going to be a battle. You know where the battle happens? Between the ears. There's this battle going on in your mind with these voices. And he says, Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness, and he begins to talk about all these different pieces of armor. And there's a battle that's going on in our minds every single day. And he says things like this, put on the belt of truth. Some of you think that's what your dad used to discipline you back in the day, right? That's like the, you know, but, uh, and for others, you know, as they've, they've learned about the, the belt of truth and they read about, uh, read about this in Ephesians. 
they think it's like, okay, as long as I'm aware that I have it, right? And so I've heard people say, as you wake up in the morning and you put on your pants and you put on your belt, just say, hey, I'm putting on the belt of truth. And as you put on your shirt, I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness and I'm taking up the shield of faith and whatever it is. But that's not how the, the armor of God actually works. What Paul is saying, that armor of God is supposed to be actually working in, your, in, in the battleground of your mind. The, the, the belt of truth, this idea of truth is that it's weeding out the thoughts that come into your mind. There's thoughts bombarding you all the time, those voices speaking to you. It's up to us to say, yeah, that's truth. I'm going to think about that. No, no, that's not truth. Okay, that thought, no, that's wrong. That's fake news. No, that's out. You know, this is true. This is true. This is true. And whatever it is, that's true that we would focus on. I saw it this week or a couple weeks ago. I was having a conversation with some people, and they mentioned this story that I've heard a long time ago, and I've heard it throughout the years. And it was a story of, of how shepherds in the, in the Old Testament, back in the day, the ancient shepherds, they had a rod and a staff. And they, the rod would be something that would pull the sheep out when they were in danger, and the staff was for correction, for discipline of the sheep. And they said that, you know, they told the story of how um, uh, if there was sheep that would run away from the shepherd, that sometimes they had these sheep that would run away. And so the shepherd would take his staff, and he'd follow that sheep that was running away, and he'd smack it and break its leg so that that sheep would stop running away. And then, but you think, man, that's terrible. How cruel is the shepherd? But then he would pick up the sheep, and he would mend the, the leg, put a splint on it, and he would carry that little sheep around, either on his neck or in his arms, until the leg was healed. And then that sheep would have such a relationship with the shepherd that he would never want to run away again. And they said, you know, the Bible says the Lord is our shepherd, and his rod and his staff, they comfort me. And sometimes God's got to break your leg so that you don't run away. He's got to, like, he's going to have to do some things to hurt you. But really, in the ultimate big plan, it's to show you goodness. And I'm like, that doesn't sound right to me. You know, that's like something in there, like, that sounds bible but I don't think that's Bible. That, that doesn't sound like the God that I know. And so I began to look it up. I'm like, is this possible? And, and the belt of, that's the belt of truth working in your mind. And I started realizing that, you know, in the, in, the, in the ancient culture, we started thinking about, you know, if these guys broke their leg of their animals, likely the animal's going to die, right? And if they're like, if they have a, 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 a flock of 150 sheep, and, and it's not one that's running away, it's probably seven. What are you going to do? Carry around seven sheep in the blazing hot sun? you know, carrying them around so they build a better relationship with you. No, it's not going to work. And then if you look in the Bible, Jesus says, you know, if one sheep leaves the 99, he walks over there, he rescues that sheep and he carries it back. There's no spot in there where he like picks it up, breaks his leg and then carries it back. You know, it's, but you know what, you, you know, you know what happened in that moment is as we sitting around that conversation, people began to think, you know, and say, hey, well, yeah, you know, I've got this pain in my body that's not being healed. I think God must be trying to teach me something. You know, for some you hear, like, you know, God gave you cancer or God's allowing all this stuff to happen. And there's answers to those questions. I would love to have that conversation with you if you struggle with that. But for some, they think, you know, God's giving sickness, giving trials because he's trying to teach you something. Like, God, what are you trying to teach me? And it's like crickets. You know, there's no answer. Like, okay, I guess he's trying to teach me. I don't know what it is. And it's like this idea that God is like this ogre in the sky. You know, for some, it's thinking, oh, God took your loved ones because he needs a little angel in heaven. I know you didn't see that on, online, but I was like gagging, right? God's not, that's not God. That's not truth. You know what the truth is? The truth is what God's word says. John 10 verse 10, Jesus said this, the thief's purpose is to come to kill, steal, and destroy. There's a thief coming to kill, to steal, and destroy in your life. He says, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Man, we have an amazing, amazing Savior. We have an amazing, amazing Father. And as, uh, throughout the scriptures, 
In the New Testament, they said, let your words be seasoned with grace. Let there be an attractiveness to the way you speak to people that they desire relationship with the Lord because he's amazing. And yet some of those things can uh, sneak in and cause these views about God that aren't, that aren't true at all. And having the belt of truth, that conversation in your head saying, no, this is what it is. Paul wrote this to the Philippians. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on things that are true. Fix your mind on what is true. Why? Because that conversation in your head wants to go everywhere, but we fixate on things that are not true way too often, and it's affecting our lives. It affects the conversations we have. It's our natural tendency. The situation might not be good, but the truth is that God is good. And this morning, as we close up, I want to leave you with just a few bullet verses. You can look them up if you have to. You're probably going to have to listen online to, to find out where to find these again, but Thoughts like this, that when you face a situation that's not good, Psalm 100 verse 5 tells you that God is good and his love endures forever. You know, you may, you may have got up this morning, not had enough sleep, and you're like, oh man, I'm not, this was me this morning. I woke up like, oh, this was a rotten night's sleep. But God is with me, right? You know, he's with me. He never, never leaves me. You know, you may not know what to say, but you can agree with the disciples in John 6 that Jesus, you have the words of life. Speak through me. Maybe, maybe your reality is I screwed up this week. But I thank God that I'm right with you because of what Jesus did on the cross, according to 1 Corinthians 5 or 2 Corinthians 5:21. I might not feel worthy, Lord, but I know that Paul wrote to the Colossians that he said, We are worthy because of what Jesus has done. I might not feel deserving of love this morning, but I know that you love me and I'm your child because first John, John wrote, What manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we might be called the children of God. That everything might seem like it's against me, but I know you are for me, because according to Romans chapter 8, verse 31, that no matter what What's against us? We know, God, if you are for us, nothing stands. Nothing actually stands against us. Having that belt of truth going in your mind all the time. But we've got to be intentional about it. So as we close this morning, we, we realize we've got multiple voices in our head. But to realize that the voices in our head, those conversations in our head, the one with ourselves, the one with God, the one with the enemy, are actually affecting the conversations we have with others. They're affecting the words that come out of our mouths. The enemy is putting destructive thoughts in your mind. It's all he does. It's father of lies. He keeps putting lies about you, about God, about others in your mind. You tend to stray to the negative as well. That's why it's so important that we're intentional about this conversation with the Lord. We're like, God, would you change? Would you put truth into my heart? Being intentional uh, uh, about that. So the challenge this week is this. Would you connect with God in prayer this week? In conversation with God this week? Just saying, hey, you know, as you're, as you're going through and staying connected, just back and forth with the Lord, that you recognize his voice in your head, that you're listening, saying, God, would you speak to me and through me this week? Putting on the belt of truth, going and studying, you know, his word, just to put it in there so you know that when things come up, that belt's working in your life. Are you believing the truth or lies about myself? Am I believing truth or lies about my situation? Am I believing the truth or lies about God? Am I believing the truth or lies about others? It'll affect the conversations you have uh, throughout and the words that you speak. I just want to close with this quote that we opened with. Every time that I, every time that you, open our mouths to speak, I'm revealing how I've been doing in three other conversations. What I'm saying to myself, how well I'm refuting the lies of the enemy, and how closely, if at all, I'm walking with God. See, our, our words are powerful. One last thought for you this morning. There are some really incredible, powerful words that have the ability and opportunity to change a life. Do you realize that every single one of us is in, this, is in relationship with God? Either that's broken, either that's separated by this thing called sin, or we've been reconnected to our Heavenly Father through what Jesus did. But this morning, if you're sitting here 
and all you hear in the soundtrack of your life is, you know, you're no good, you're not worthy, or if you can just do this, you'll be happy, or if you just go for this, you'll be happy. God's calling out to you this morning with some different words, saying, listen, you're not designed to be your own boss. You're not designed to run your own life because you'll ruin it. All the things that you've done in your past that maybe you look back at and it's just guilt and shame, he says, you're not even meant to carry that. I sent my son to die on a cross to pay the complete price for sin. That means taking the guilt, taking the shame, taking it all. He's saying, if you'll believe in me, if you'll trust in me, you'll have the opportunity to live differently. I'll forgive it all, give you the chance to really live. That's on the table for you this morning. And take some powerful words from us to simply say, God, I believe. Lord, I don't know all the answers, but I want to follow you. Would you fill me with your spirit? Help me to take these steps with you. Change your life. It'll change your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Jesus, thank you that you prayed for us before you went to the cross. Prayed for every person who would ever believe in you, that we would be sanctified, set apart, changed by your word and by truth, and that your word is truth. So as we look at it today, we're thankful for that truth. And I pray, uh, Father, that as, as we've uh, allowed ourselves to listen to and to hear it, would, it, would you cause it to sink deep into our hearts everywhere? Would you translate into each individual life this morning that it may affect uh, our individual relationships in our lives? And above all, God, that this connection with you, this chance just to do life with you would become more and more real in our, in our lives every single day. Thank you for sending Jesus for me. Thank you for loving me before I was lovable. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for the life that I have because of you. Help me share that with my world this week. It's in your name and for your glory I pray. Amen.